0: hey guys I'm Jess and I'm Cece welcome to myth and macabre where we dive into the worlds of the paranormal supernatural and everything creepy in between today's episode we will be talking about the Hoosac tunnel in northwestern Massachusetts enjoy good morning good morning how are you I'm fantastic it's a beautiful day out. It's freezing, but it's beautiful. Yes, yes it is. I'm very glad to have a day off. I worked so many days in a row and oh, I'm that's tired. Nice. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah, I actually I got a whole weekend off. I feel like a normal person this week. That's I worked 5 fantastic. days in a row and I get 2 days off. <laughs> Who knew? Such a novel concept. I'm glad you actually got some time off this week. Same. It was much needed. Oh, I believe it. (laughs) Yeah. So today I wanted to talk about the Husak Tunnel. I love the
1: name of this. I've never heard of this before. You were like, hey, this week, this is what I'm going to talk about. Not this moment, but when we were talking about it prior to recording. (laughs) And yeah, I had no clue this was even a thing I am totally 100% down for creepy tunnels, bridges, all that good stuff. So I am excited to hear what you've got going on.
0: Well, it's a creepy tunnel. Yes. Is it a bridge tunnel or just a tunnel? It's just a tunnel. Okay. Like a bridge, like does it have a bridge over it? Is that what you're asking me?
1: Well, like sometimes there's like a, like a railroad bridge and then a tunnel like right
0: after it. I don't know if it's a bridge. I don't think it's a bridge. I think it's just a okay. tunnel.
1: I know that's like a weird thing to be curious about. But I'm
0: pretty sure it's just a tunnel. But yeah, so we'll start with a brief history of the Hoosack Tunnel. Okay. It is a 4.74, so almost four and three quarter mile long tunnel that connects North Adams Mass to Florida Mass. Side note, I did not know there was a place called Florida Mass yeah. until I did this.
1: I have like a few questions here. First off, <laughs> of almost over four mile long tunnel feels long, long. That's like not normal for a tunnel. I think. I don't know
0: what normal for a I'm tunnel is. I'm trying to
1: compare it to tunnels in Boston because those are like the only tunnels I have a lot of experience with, but I have zero well, frame of reference. No,
0: this is in um, like Northwestern Mass, so it's not like a densely populated city, so I feel like they have more room to make
1: that. That might make like, sense. A larger. I was trying to like figure out like four miles is kind of a long distance. Well, almost five, yeah. And there's a place called Florida in Massachusetts. <laughs> like, like, both of these things are
0: kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Me either. Because when I was first doing it, it just said it connected, like, North Adams Mass to Florida. And I, like, thought it went to the state. And I'm like, that's not five miles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not a uh, pro at geography, but I'm pretty sure the entirety of the East Coast is not five miles long. It's not. I've driven it. I have also just recently realized, total side note, there's like a Wyoming in Rhode Island. You like, know that? You no, know, why would I, didn't I know that.
0: that? It's right near Carolina. Okay. These are starting to sound made up. <laughs> no, it's uh, real. There's yeah. an octagonal house down there that I love.
1: I learn something new, multiple new things every day.
0: <laughs> this podcast
1: has opened my eyes. It's
0: <laughs> so much eye-opening. But yeah, so Florida, it connects North Adams to Florida, Mass. We're we're still in Mass. We have not left the state. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. It's not a magic portal to Florida. It is not. The idea was first proposed in the early 1800s. So this was like before the days of like railways. At the time, the primary long distance transportation was waterways. So the original proposition in the early 1800s was to create a canal connecting Boston, Massachusetts, to Albany, New York. Was How
1: was this going to be part of it?
0: Well, this is just like the history of it. Oh, so oh, okay. it was like originally they had proposed it as like a canal, not a railway because railways weren't a thing. Yes. But it was deemed to be too expensive and the idea was initially rejected. And then everyone kind of forgot about it until it was brought up again in 1841. So, you know, about like 40-ish years later. But this time they brought it up as a proposal for a railway tunnel because railways oh, okay. are a thing now.
1: That's actually bizarre to think that, like, at one point in time, they're like, well, we use boats for fast travel, so let's make a canal. I know.
0: How bizarre. Okay. But yeah, it was originally proposed as a canal, but it was rejected. So the proposition of the railway tunnel was accepted, and this time it was supposed to be built connecting eastern Massachusetts to eastern New York. And they were using it for both passenger trains and, like, freight cargo trains.
1: Okay, so something that kind of, like, almost connected, like,
0: Boston to New York, kind of. Yeah, yeah. the same kind of, okay. like, Boston to Albany kind of thing. But it didn't have, like, the specific cities. It just said, like, Eastern to Eastern. Okay. This proposal for the the railway was accepted. But it definitely was not an easy journey to get from proposal to, what is that word I want? to To actuality.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we're talking about, like, an infrastructure, got, like, a... State government infrastructure plan in the 1800s. I mean, we've seen how long some of those things take nowadays. I can't even. There was a bridge near my house where my like when I lived with my parents, that was out of commission for like a decade while they repaired it. (laughs) Like I can't even imagine in the 1800s. Like we want to build this Brit or this tunnel. I'm assuming if it's a tunnel, you have like dig through stuff too to get it. So like between like the paperwork side of it
0: and the actual construction of it, I'm not surprised it took forever. It, It took a while. So in order for this tunnel to be constructed, like you were just saying, it needed to be built like obviously through a mountain, but it also needed to be built around the southern edge of the Green Mountains. And if you've listened to our season one of our podcast, you might remember the Green Mountains in our Bennington Triangle episode. I was just going to say Vermont. Glastonbury <laughs> Mountain is part of that range. The range is mostly in Vermont, but it kind of spills into Western Mass a little bit. So it's like the very end of the Green Mountains and they had to like build through it and around it. And it's just known to be a very treacherous and unkind area. <laughs> Makes sense. As we talked about in in the season one episode. But even with the odds stacked against them, the Troy and Greenfield Railroad Company decided that they were up for the challenge. They're like, "Yeah, let's do this." All right, cool. Uh, so the expected budget for the project was two million dollars in then money or now money in then money. And for everyone wondering, because I, do I love knew you were going <laughs> to <laughs> that's over seventy-seven million dollars today.
1: Oh my gosh! Yes, that's like wow Mm -hmm. yep that's more than i thought you were gonna say
0: it was a lot the actual construction actually did not start for almost a decade so it was like originally proposed in 1841 and the ground was first broken on the project in north adams massachusetts so on the north adams side which i think is the is it the eastern side
1: was it going toward new york
0: remember which side they started on well it was the North Adams side pretty sure I bring it up later like which side is was east and which side is west but I can't remember right now I trust your notes. <laughs> so it was broken in North Adams mass on January 8th of 1851 so it took about 10 years to even get it from like idea to start construction
1: okay that feels right like feels like a long time but it it feels accurate to me mm-hmm
0: the project was also like huge news for the time. When I was looking through information, I found newspaper articles about it in Pennsylvania, Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, uh, some oh, other wow. places. So it was like huge. Like everybody was talking about this railway project. Uh, Something
1: I will say side note yeah. from experiencing newspapers.com and looking at a lot of news articles <laughs> from like the mid 1800s. There were, like, surprising things that got a lot of distance. Mm-hmm. Like, we were talking about earlier this season, the girl in the swamp that, like, Florida was reporting on, mm-hmm. the things um, that we talked about in episode five with Jane Topan. That was, like, all <laughs> over the place. They're just super unexpected places that you're like, where did this, like, piece of Massachusetts news become so important that they're talking about it so far away? Yeah. No, it was
0: crazy. It's I was been like, oh, cool. that was, like, all over the place. <laughs> But once the construction began, it definitely was not smooth sailing from there because that would just be too easy. <laughs> of course. They had a bunch of delays to the project. They were due to things like the instability of the land because it's on like the green mountains, which is treacherous. The rock material of it of the mountains being either too hard or too soft, so like not knowing exactly how to dig through it because it's either too hard or too soft and things are going wrong. The delays... Obviously, also caused financial issues. And 10 years into the project, they still hadn't had much progress.
1: Okay. Like I'm trying to all. imagine
0: like a partially dug tunnel. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, the, I don't think I found any like pictures of the process. But I also didn't look for pictures. It ah. happens. <laughs> so the North Adams side had only carved out 1,810 feet. While the Florida side, which was the second side that they started on, so I guess they were starting at both ends and like meeting in the middle, but they started in North Adams. So the, they had like 1,810 feet dug and Florida had 500 feet.
1: Oh geez. Yeah. That's not much.
0: So just in case anyone's wondering, because I am a numbers person, the tunnel is 4.74 miles long, which is about 25,080 feet.
1: <laughs> yeah. So not much progress. So, so and we're Florida's a little over not 2,000. up their side of the bargain.
0: Florida is not. So we're a little over 2,000 feet into a 25,000 foot project. (laughs) The tunnel ended up taking 25 years to complete. That's more than I would have
1: anticipated. I was thinking like in my head, someone who has zero clue about machinery, infrastructure, carving through mountains, whatever. In my head was like, oh, 15 years sounds like a good amount of time. 25 is a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, that was 25 from like when ground broke. So technically it was 35 if you include all the planning. Oh wow, jeez. And it ended up costing a total of twenty million dollars. So if you remember, the budget was two million. So now we're like ten times over the budget. Back then. Back then. Also, anyone wondering about this conversion? That is five hundred and forty million dollars today. Oh my gosh.
1: Did, did we compare that to like the Big Dig in Boston?
0: Like what? How did I didn't. that compare?
1: That's a good question. Okay. You keep that number in your head. I'm going to Google while we talk cool. because I just I have so little <laughs> frame of reference <laughs> that I'm like I need something. Yes.
0: So the tunnel after its many delays and over budget costs was officially completed in late 1874. And the first train traveled through the tunnel on February 9th of 1875, which fun fact, if we recorded this when we were supposed to record it, we would have been recording on February 9th, but my kid had to be sick. Oh, that would have (laughs) been kind of cool. So I was really excited about that. So what was that number
1: one more time? 540 million. All right. So the big dig was scheduled for completion in 1998 (laughs) did not actually be completed until the last day of 2007 and the final project cost was 14.6 billion
0: dollars that's disgusting
1: i mean yes but (laughs) this gives me a little bit like
0: more of a frame of reference for where we're going okay thank you for that segue you're welcome so the first train that traveled over on February 9th of 1875, had it was three boxcars that contained 125 passengers. So the first train to go through was a passenger train, not a freight train.
1: Some- Could you imagine all these people that are like, this construction's been going on in our area forever. Let's go see what it's all about and get a train ticket. I like it. Yeah. I would do
0: it. I wouldn't uh <laughs> that's a long tunnel to be in and ooh no no yeah just no
1: you gotta figure on a train though it can't take that long to get through I don't, I don't you're like know. 10 minutes tops i don't know i don't spend a lot of time on trains i don't know how train how fast trains go but if you went through this tunnel at 30 miles an hour it would take 10 minutes less than 10 minutes to get through you figure trains probably move faster than that yeah I would just it it just seems so long. I don't I don't know. I mean even eight minutes like in a tunnel feels like a long time. But I don't think it would be that bad. I don't mind tunnels. Anyway. You're like in the earth. So? Oh, go. No. I
0: don't know. I mean, I'll go in a cavern though. Oh see, I'm
1: the opposite. I won't go in a cavern. I
0: don't know. It's weird. I'm weird. Anyway, back to the story. Sorry. Tangent. <laughs> so they sent the last passenger train through the tunnel on November 28th of 1958. And after that, it was just a freight railway.
1: Okay. So it was still being used. It just wasn't for passengers anymore.
0: Yep. So they used it for passengers for 1875 to 1958. So I didn't actually do how many years that was. So like it's like 75-ish, 70, ish, a, little a little bit longer. ish Yeah. 70 to 80 75 B. That's a long time. It is. But that was the last passenger railway. They actually still use it today by Pan Am Railways, I think, travels through it. Are they a freight rail- railway? And they do freight. Okay. So they send about a dozen freight trains through it every day. So it's Oh, still- wow.
1: So still, like, really. Look, I know there's, like, some train tracks near where I live by, and, like, occasionally a freight train will go by, like, mm-hmm. once every couple of months. But to know that that's, like, at least 12 per day, that's still... For a bridge that I am assuming has something creepy linked to it, which is why we're talking about it, I assumed it was like an abandoned, I called it a bridge, I assumed it was an abandoned tunnel. It is not. But to know that it has this much use and still has something
0: creepy associated with it is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So that was my next my next little thing was we were getting to I got you. To its nickname <laughs> which is fun. It has a nickname. Oh, it has a nickname. Husack is fun in itself. <laughs> so the construction of the Hoosak tunnel wasn't only like difficult in a financial and logistical sense. During the twenty five years of construction it also killed about two hundred people. I had wondered about that. And most of these happen during, like, fires, explosions, or drownings, because if you remember, they were going to use it as a canal, so it's near, like, a water source. So you probably we'll don't
1: know this information, but I have to ask, if you have a project and you have a budget and then people die, <laughs> are there, like, like money you might be paying to the family? Or, like, does I'm- that come out of the Budget?
0: I don't think it's part of your budget because I don't think you anticipate people dying on your project. Do you
1: add it into the final cost of your project? Like,
0: so is that are part all of the five 500- hundred? Yeah,
1: are all of these deaths? Do they also involve like lawsuits for people dying? I don't know. It's a weird question. I didn't think you were going to know the answer I, to. It, but I don't my really brain was it. evidently my Saturday brain is uh, it's on different top than my Monday through
0: Friday. brain. <laughs> So all of these numerous tragedies earned the tunnel the nickname of the bloody pit.
1: The bloody pit, not even the bloody tunnel. The bloody bloody pit. pit. (laughs) Okay. So now we'll start talking about some fun stories. Now that we got history out of the way, I am excited to hear about the fun stories of the bloody (laughs) pit. That sounds like
0: the name of a horror movie. Somebody should get on that. We should get on that. I call it. Then nobody else steal that. We're gonna do it. So the first major tragedy that we're talking about happened in 1865. So it's about 14 years into the construction. So I guess like the first 14 years weren't super bad. Well, Florida only got like 500 feet, so... (laughs) so we're like just going downhill from there. At this time, there was a new type of explosive that was being made with nitroglycerin and the demolition teams decided to give it a try to try to get through the hard and soft rock that was difficult to work with, I guess. The team working on March 20th of 1865 were three men named Ned Brinkman, Billy Nash, and Ringo Kelly. Love his name. Yep. Don't love him. Love his name. Okay. <laughs> Was he a bad dude? I mean, it depends on how you, how oh, you do look at this. Oh, do we have information
1: about him? He's not just
0: a name of a guy that died? Do we know about him? Oh, he's not the... Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Oh, getting that. Okay. So the three men they planted their explosives all together, they like went into their job and like they, professionally. Professionally. <laughs> okay. And then they ran off to the safety zone. But Ringo was in charge of the detonation and quote unquote, unfortunately, he set off the charge too early and Ned and Billy were buried alive under the rubble and crushed. So that's horrific. That's awful. Also, why did you why did you say quote unquote? <laughs> We're getting there. Oh. <laughs> so then shortly after this accident, Ringo disappeared, which led some people to believe that the early detonation was not an accident, so quote unquote unfortunately.
1: Oh, is there do we know if there's like records of him having kerfuffles with No. Okay, no, just that he disappeared, which He's, is kind of suspicious. It's like if very it was suspicious. A workplace accident. It's a workplace accident. They right. unfortunately happened, but if you're fleeing the scene, that mm. doesn't look good. Yeah.
0: So Ringo wasn't seen alive again, but his body turned up on March 30th of 1866. So it was almost exactly a year later. The accident was March 20th of 1865. So it was like one year and ten days. His body turned up in the tunnel.
1: Ooh. Also. Like somebody
0: was like, I know what you did, and you're going to pay for it. Well, it gets it gets creepier. So he was found in the tunnel in the exact same spot where his companions, Ned and Billy, had been buried alive. Ooh. So I ask again, <laughs> is this a coincidence that it is exactly a year later? Uh, yeah,
1: that sounds like <laughs> a revenge killing. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, that's That's like... A lot more dark than I thought we were going to talk about. Mm -hmm.
0: His killer wasn't ever found. And then just, you know, for the creepy part of it, because we have to go there. I don't necessarily believe it's true. But many people claim that it was the spirits of Ned and Billy that were seeking revenge on him. And that's why he was found in the tunnel, like, right near the anniversary. I have some thoughts on this, because I don't think that it was spirits that caught revenge. I
1: just don't. No. But whoever orchestrated that like needed to know the details of exactly where they died mm-hmm. like i'm surprised they never caught i feel like never caught his killer as like we know who did it but we're not going to talk about it because we were better off without ringo like <laughs> you know what i mean because like if if he was found in the exact same spot i don't believe that ghostly apparitions managed to pull this off so, like, it had to be somebody who knew the details. So, like, your pool of suspects can't be that big at that point. Right. It's like, like who, who was who working was there? that day? yeah? <laughs> who saw it? So, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's kind of nuts, actually. Mm-hmm. I thought it was nuts. Now I want to look into the history of police in this area and see if they have a history of being corrupt. (laughs) And letting some guy get away with murder because they figured it was for the best. That's a story for another
0: day. Another episode. Uh, Yep. Yep. So two years later, in 1868, a man named Paul Travers wrote a letter to his sister talking about his experiences in the haunted tunnel. And Paul, it's it's notable to say that Paul had served in the Civil War on the front lines for the Union along with General Ulysses S. Grant before he was president. Oh wow. He was also a mechanical engineer that was working on the Housack Tunnel project. So at this time he was accompanied he was asked to accompany a man that's only referred to as Mr. Dunn. Okay who I found out was a member of the construction team. That's all I got from him.
1: Okay. Sounds like what you'd call like the foreman or something.
0: Yep. And so in the excerpt in Paul's letter to his sister, he writes, The men constantly complain of hearing a man's voice crying out in agony and refuse to enter the great shaft after nightfall. Mr. Dunn has reassured them time and time again that the strange sound is nothing more than the wild winds sweeping down off the mountainside. Our work has slowed to the point where Mr. Dunn asked me to help him conduct an investigation into the matter. Last night, Mr. Dunn and I entered the Great Tunnel at exactly 9 o'clock p.m. We traveled about two miles into the shaft and then stopped to listen. As we stood there in the cold silence, we both heard what truly sounded like a man groaning out in pain. As you know, I've heard the same sound many times during the war. Yet when I turned up the wicks on our lamps, there were no other human beings in the shaft except for Mr. Dunn and myself. I'll admit that I hadn't been this frightened since Shiloh. Mr. Dunn agreed that it wasn't the wind that we heard. Perhaps Nash or Brinkman, I wonder. Creepy.
1: I kind of love that this tunnel has a creepy reputation around, like, when it was built. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. (laughs) But also, like, oh, man. Yep. That's that's a creepy story.
0: <laughs> also, for anyone that didn't know what Shiloh was when he referred to, I'll admit I haven't been this frightened since Shiloh. That goes back to to him serving in the war. Shiloh was a battle against the, the Union and the Confederate that was like important in the Union winning the war. It was like a okay. big victory for the Union. So I can imagine that would be frightening. And he's To have, like, hear this sound that you're like, this is giving me war flashbacks. Yeah. That's
1: that's nuts. That's really intense. Yeah.
0: No, no. But anyway, so later, the same year, on October 17th of 1868, there was another disaster. This feels right. (laughs) This feels right. There was a gas explosion, and it blew up an above-ground pumping station. So because the tunnels were being built by waterways, they needed to have pumping stations to keep the water from filling the shafts when they were building. That makes sense. So this was one of those above ground pumping stations to keep the water out of the shafts. So when the station blew up, it essentially filled the nearby shaft that it was like pumping from with fire and debris and then they couldn't pump the water cuz the station blew up, so the water started rising. There were 13 men in the shaft at the time of the explosion. Oh my goodness or 13 men died. I don't know if it was all of them that were in there. I'm not really sure. Didn't say whether anyone got it. I'm assuming that there was 13 men in there and all of them died. But they weren't able to recover the bodies from the shaft. But over time, because it's like a waterway, some of the bodies were carried out And the nearby villagers reported seeing, like, apparitions marching toward the tunnel. But when they went to go, like, investigate it to see, like, who was going over near the tunnel, there were no footprints in, like, the snow. Like, in wintertime, there'd be no footprints in the snow. They also reported hearing muffled screams near the site of the shaft that collapsed.
1: My goodness. I'm kind of surprised they kept going with it, like, if, like, all these people are dying. (laughs) Let's just keep digging. Yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of surprised this project
0: kept going. Oh, my gosh. And then a year later, so after, you know, this happened and then a few of the bodies came out through the waterway, so they hadn't recovered all of them. But a year later, the remaining bodies would be found, and they were all still on a raft that they had built to stay afloat in the shaft. Um, Oh, my goodness. Which, if You're confused. (laughs) That means that they did not die immediately from the explosion.
1: No, they were just like
0: down there trying to stay alive. Oh, my gosh. And they suffocated in the fire. Oh, my goodness. Yep. But strange thing. After the bodies on the raft were found and given a proper burial, the apparitions stopped. So, like, the villagers didn't see the apparitions near the tunnel anymore, but they did still hear the muffled screams. Huh.
1: Huh. I have so many conflicting emotions. Like that whole thing is like it's like really intriguing and cool, but at the same time it's really tragic and sad. It is.
0: It is. Yes. So then, 4 years after this, a man named Dr. Clifford J. Owens accompanied a drilling operation superintendent named James Mc- I can't say his name McKinstry. This is while they're still they're still creating building. the tunnel. Okay. Yeah, so this was 4 years later, so 1872. So a couple of years before it was finished. So they go into the tunnel together. It's not really clear why they were going into the tunnel. I couldn't really find anything about that. But Dr. Owens documented
1: their account. Is he like a medical doctor? Do you know? Was it like someone needed medical attention or?
0: I don't know what kind of doctor he was. He was I think he was a medical doctor or like a psychiatrist or something. But he had just been asked to, like, accompany the drilling operations Okay, so it's not like he was
1: going out to see somebody specifically that needed medical attention. Yeah, he wasn't there, like,
0: for medical attention. He was just there as, like, a second set of eyes, I guess. I think in his documents, I don't know if it was, like, a journal or, like, his documents for whatever he was doing there. He wrote, on the night of June 25th, 1872, James McKinstry and I entered the Great Excavation at precisely 11.30 p.m., We had traveled about two full miles into the shaft when we finally halted to rest. Except for the dim, smoky light cast from our lamps, the place was as cold and dark as a tomb. The next thing I saw was a dim light coming along the tunnel from the westerly direction. At first, I believed it was probably a workman with a lantern. Yet as the light grew closer, it took on a strange blue color and appeared to change shape, almost into the form of a human without a head. Oh my goodness. In the next instant, it felt as if the temperature had suddenly dropped and a cold, icy chill ran up and down my spine. For what seemed like an eternity, Mr. McKinstry and I just stood there gaping at the headless thing like two wooden Indians. The blue light remained motionless for a few seconds as if it were actually looking us over, then floated off toward the east end of the shaft and vanished into thin air. I am above all a realist. Nor am I prone to repeating gossip and wild tales that defy a reasonable explanation. However, in all truth, I cannot deny what James McKinstry and I witnessed with our own eyes. Oh, my goodness. So that's
1: quite like a firsthand testimony from someone who I would assume is pretty well regarded mm -hmm. as as a sane person. Oh, my
0: goodness. Yeah. And then also, I don't know if anybody caught it, but there is both quotes that I read reference we traveled about two miles into the shaft so I
1: actually was just going to ask you to confirm that because I was thinking that I was like is that around the same place that the first two gentlemen mm-hmm. were in yep interesting now I don't want to go through this tunnel
0: I don't want to go through the tunnel <laughs> and then not also, at night at least like why were you there at 11 30 at night you were just asking for trouble right you're just asking to run into some demons and then also for any Whoa, apparitions <laughs> <laughs> Apparitions. <laughs> Unless you know
1: something you have not told us yet, I did not assume
0: demons. I, I mean, yeah, apparitions, that's fine. I'm still going to say demons because it's pretty creepy in there from what I'm seeing. It's a bloody pit. <laughs> it's, it's called the bloody pit. So also for anyone curious about the comment that uh, Dr. Clifford Owens made about staring like two wooden Indians... I can explain that because I was curious and I was Is like, "Is that like the drug store? What in statue? the f does this mean?" It's the tobacco store. Yes. Statues. Okay. Yeah. I um, didn't ask about it because I knew what I know. I know what those are. Okay. Well, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Because I'm not smart. No. <laughs> do be ridiculous. Um, I don't spend a lot of time at tobacco stores. Um, oh, yeah, because I totally do. <laughs> I mean, I know you don't. No, I just,
1: historically, like, I feel like as a kid, I read a lot of books that had drugstore <laughs> Indians. I don't know. Okay. Like, like Tom Sawyer and stuff. Oh. That time
0: period. Okay. Well, anyway, for anyone else like me that didn't know what that was, I looked it up in Collins Dictionary, and wooden Indian has two definitions. The first is a carved wooden statue of a standing Native American wearing a feathered headdress formerly found outside many cigar stores as an advertisement. So that one's pretty self-explanatory.
1: That's the one I knew, the definition
0: um, I knew of them. But also not very informing for this context.
1: <laughs> so oh, I just assumed it was like we stood still as a statue.
0: So the second one kind of made a little more sense when I, when I read it. The second definition is an informal definition. It's a person who appears emotionless and unresponsive, a poker face. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So basically, Clifford and James just sat there and stared at the headless figure, dumbfounded. Makes sense. Uh, That took a lot to get there. Uh, (laughs) For me, anyway. Maybe not everyone else. So then we have two years after this whole incident. So after the doctor and the drilling superintendent came across this headless ghost man. Before we move on to the next one. Had anyone died a
1: death there that would have left them headless? Like I know the two guys that got blown up in the the
0: dynamite. Yeah, maybe it wasn't body parts, but probably yeah, it was there probably, was no beheading. There right? was no beheading. Like there was no reference of someone like being beheaded in okay. the tunnel. But I think it was in the same spot as the ones that blew Makes up. Sense. So I was, yeah, maybe one of them lost their head. I don't know. Just figured to ask. I didn't yeah. know if somebody got mad at their
1: coworker and like took somebody's head off with a shovel or something. So. Not that I could find. Okay. But that doesn't
0: mean it didn't happen. <laughs> it's a haunted tunnel. Anything's possible. Anything's possible in the bloody pit. Exactly. So yeah, so two years after this whole like ghost apparition thing, there was a man found walking on the bank of Deerfield River, which is on the North Adams side of the tunnel. Apparently, I did not write down which one was east and which one was west. So I'm sorry about that. But there was a man, he was just found in shock, just wandering the banks of the Deerfield River. He was eventually identified as Frank Webster, and he was an avid hunter that had gone out on one October day in 1874 looking for something to hunt. And it was right around the time that like construction was wrapping up also, or it had just finished. Like It wasn't clear on whether it was like after it finished or right at the end, but it's around the same time that construction was ending. So when he was finally able to recount the events that, that happened and how he ended up wandering in shock on the the, riverbank riverbank he recalled that voices had ordered him into the tunnel and then once inside he saw ghostly figures did he have a reputation
1: for being an upstanding citizen or was he like the town drunk do we know
0: it didn't say either way so i'm assuming he was just like an average kind of okay townsperson after he was ordered into the tunnel and saw the ghostly figures, something forcefully took his rifle from him and hit him over the head with it. Oh, my goodness. And then when he was found, he was unarmed and he couldn't remember leaving the tunnel. Ooh! Like he didn't know how he got on the banks uh, of the river. Okay. I don't like that amnesia. No, is, that, that's a little is a no-no. unsettling, I um, think, is the best word for it. Yes. So in the last story that we're going to talk about. Did they ever find his gun? Oh, I don't know. It didn't go... I know. It didn't go into it. The
1: questions. So many questions. (laughs) I know. I, I did look. These are, like, fantastically spooky stories, though. I know. And I think I love that it's not, like, the tunnel was done and then maybe a bunch of teenagers hanging out on it 50 years later had these stories that were, like, unsubstantiated and no one knew where they came from. I kind of... Not that I love the tragedy of it. I feel terrible <laughs> saying that. But I kind of like the idea that like these stories of these hauntings were going on while there was actively work being done on this thing. Yeah, like, it it's a little not, more substantial. It's kind of, it's interesting. And then to have like doctor's notes about it and like, it, oh, it's kind of
0: fascinating, honestly. So the last story that we're going to talk about is actually like a weird turn of events. Okay. Well, I think Are we in chronological order? Is this like after the tunnel is done? Yes. So we're in chronological order. I mean, I think it's a weird turn of events. You might disagree. Uh, we'll find out. So in 1936, now we've moved on to the 1900s. Oh, no, wait. We've. Wait, have we? No, we haven't been in the 1900s. We've been in the 1800s. <laughs> so in 1936, there was a Boston and Maine employee. So Boston and Maine was like one of the companies that took over the railway after the original builders and before like Pan Am. So okay, right. I appreciate
1: you clarifying that, because yeah. that was a confusing-sounding sounding sentence. Yeah,
0: I realized that after I wrote it down, or after I read it. But his name was Joe Impoco, and he claims that he was saved by the voices in the tunnel.
1: Ooh. And not just once. The same voices that lure hunters to their amnesia. I guess. Um, Interesting. I don't know if it
0: was the same... True. Might Set not be the same spirits, voices. But it's still weird that like most of these stories are like, ooh, spooky. And this one's like, hey, the ghost saved me twice. <laughs> yeah. I, tell me all about it. So the first time he was chipping some ice off the tracks, because I guess that was his job for the, the Boston Main Railroad Company. So he was chipping the ice off the tracks and he heard someone yell, run, Joe, run. And so he looked up and then he saw a train coming close by. Like, I don't know how he didn't hear it, but he hadn't heard it. And it was headed, like, in his direction. So he was able to get out of the way fast enough, and he was, like, obviously shaken but unharmed. So the ghost, like, told him to get out of the way because he wasn't paying attention to the sounds around him while he was chipping ice. So disembodied voice, though, not apparition. Correct. The second instance was only six weeks later. So that's terrifying. This time he was using a crowbar to de-ice some of the rail cars that were frozen to the tracks. So the first time he was doing the tracks, this time he's doing the cars that are frozen to the tracks. Okay. And then suddenly he hears another disembodied voice. This one's a voice and not an apparition as well. And this one just says, Joe, Joe, drop it, Joe. So he immediately drops the crowbar, which was then promptly tossed across the tunnel by 11,000 volts of electricity that hit it when a power line short circuited. Oh my goodness.
1: So that one to me is the more interesting story because, like, I feel like the first one maybe he kind of heard the train in the distance, didn't register that he did, and his intuition mm-hmm. was just like, get out huh, of the way, that might have been a train sound, <laughs> and get out of the way. But like, there's no like forewarning for an electrical line no. going down. Oh my
0: gosh, no. And the crowbar was like tossed. He said it was like, whoosh, tossed across the, huh, the tunnel. And then he also recounted a. Chilling also, or-
1: I never want to have a job
0: removing ice from train tracks. No, I don't ever want to do yeah, that. That's I'm good with that. Because one, it's cold, and two, it's train tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so after this, he also recounted like another story, which is more chilling, where he and some crew members were almost hit by a falling tree. So there was like a tree that like fell over, and they were almost hit by it. I'm assuming
1: that's not in the tunnel.
0: No. It was, like, outside the entrance to the tunnel. Okay. And as he watched the tree fall, he heard a menacing laughter surround him. Disembodied menacing laughter. So, no. (laughs) Hmm. That one was creepy. Interesting. But his story gets even weirder. Oh, good.
1: Because I was like, eh, I'm wondering now. Like, now I'm like, this is the third time this has happened to him. Is this just he knows the the tunnel's creepy, so he's kind of mm-hmm. succumbing to, like, the power of suggestion that there are spirits that might be talking to him. I mean, it could, but it,
0: it it gets a little weird. I'm
1: excited to hear
0: it. So at some point, Joe quit working for the Boston and Main Railroad Company and moved to Springfield, which is a little distance away from North Adams in Florida. It's kind of like southeast. Yeah. Central-ish.
1: Well, southeast from North Adams. Oh,
0: yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. Central, Mass, southeast from the tunnel. So even though he moved, he went back to the Husek Tunnel every year to thank the spirit or the spirits for saving him. Uh, Sounds like he
1: was maybe a superstitious dude.
0: Yes. In an interview that he gave to the Berkshire Sampler in October of 1977, he said that he felt something bad would happen if he didn't make it to the tunnel for his annual like gratitude trip or whatever.
1: Okay. So he feels like he like owes this tunnel something?
0: Yeah. So he has to like, go say thank you every year. Okay. So there was one year that same year that he did the interview, so in nineteen seventy seven his wife Maria wasn't really feeling well, and she you know it asked him to stay home, she didn't believe in his superstition, and she thought that he was like you know feeding into nonsense, and she ultimately was able to convince him to stay home that year,
1: oh no. <laughs> I'm not actually a superstitious person, but I feel like when you are a superstitious person, if you do something to break that superstition, I almost feel like in kind of like a weird karmic way, like you in your head are like, oh God, I broke the superstition. Something bad's going to happen to me. And you almost have like this self-fulfilling prophecy that something
0: bad will. Yes. Because, well, yes and no. Okay. Um, because on, <laughs> I'm like, if he fell ill, obviously he has like no control over that. Right. But Well, no, on September 26th of that same year, his wife died.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: So the timing had me a little bit curious. I was like, <laughs> thank oh. you. <laughs> <Is this laughs> that like, was going to be my next question. Is this like a weird superstition thing or like what's going on? Like, had she been sick? Like, was it sudden? What happened? So after much research, I was finally able to find her death certificate, which stated that she died from histiocytic lymphoma dissemination. Is essentially cancer that spread from the lymph nodes. So the death record also stated that she'd been diagnosed about like ten months before her death. So I don't really know like what the the average lifespan is for that or like what stage it was or anything like that. So, I mean, was it Joe's broken tradition that killed her? Probably not. But, I mean, it's still interesting. So, what month does Joe usually go? It didn't say, but um, it's before September. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming. I was trying to figure out if she, like, got diagnosed around the time that he missed it or, like, like, kind of how they might have played together. Yeah. I know it was shortly after he missed the trip that she died. Okay. Yeah.
1: Interesting, potentially a coincidence. I could totally see being a superstitious person and being like, "Oh my goodness, I broke my tradition, and this is what happens."
0: Yeah, uh, I mean that's kind of how he like was in the news article that when it, yeah, he was reporting, can, he was like, "I could see that being a thing." Yeah, because I think he did the article, he did the interview with the newspaper like a month after she died. So he was like, you know, like he was saying in the in the article, like, "Oh, you know, I missed it this year." and Next thing you know, my wife died. <laughs> I mean, if she was sick for like 10 months, 10 months, though, unfortunately, I don't think it has
1: as much to do with him no. upsetting the tunnel spirits,
0: <laughs> not to make, make light story. of
1: his situation. It's interesting and also very sad. It but is. I'm not entirely convinced it was angry Husakian
0: spirits. No. Hmm. Hmm. I know. Interesting. But those are the stories that I have for today because they were the ones that I thought
1: were so. What most is the status other than still in use for freight trains? Husak is still standing. Have mm-hmm. there been any recent reports of? Yeah, there's like you
0: know, the regular and- the, the
1: disembodied voices screaming orbs. Those things.
0: yeah. There was in my one head, thing that's read... just the regular for haunting now. Exactly. But no, there was one thing that I read that I think it was, like, a uh, someone researching for, like, their doctorate program or, like, something. And they had left a recorder in the tunnel, like, overnight. Ooh, okay. And it picked up voices. Were they saying anything? I don't. It didn't say what they were oh, saying. Okay. But, like, yeah, you know, it's just, like, the people go in the tunnel. to get spooked and, like, sure. see things. But...
1: I mean, I feel like that's pretty run-of-the-mill for modern haunted spots. Mm. I still love that these, like, stories were happening while I was being built, though. That's...
0: Yeah. I think there was one thing I read that, like, once you walk in to the tunnel, if you get to, like, that two-mile point, like, you're just overcome with this feeling of, like, dread and but,
1: I mean, I would be, too, if I knew that at this <laughs> two-mile point, a lot of
0: people heard a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. So that was... All that I had on that today. I'm super stoked that you brought a haunted tunnel to the table. I know. People also, I did write this down, they also feel reports of being followed closely. No thank you. I
1: feel like that would just be how I would feel in a claustrophobic space though. Like two miles into a tunnel.
0: Yeah, I I feel like someone's following me. Yeah,
1: I would feel gross.
0: Yeah. Uh, It didn't say like exactly where in the tunnel that was, but it did say people have reported the feeling of being closely followed, which just creeps me out. So I
1: feel like, yeah, if you're not on, like, a fast-moving thing through this tunnel, like a train, Mm -hmm. I feel like you probably get to a point, probably about halfway through, (laughs) so about two or (laughs) two two and a half miles, where, like, you probably can't really see where you came from, and you probably can't quite see where you're going, and if this tunnel's not perfectly straight, that even more so. I can totally just see that being, like, the spot for creepy stuff to Mm -hmm. be happening, makes sense yeah but yeah that's all i had for today i am stoked i recently watched a movie about a haunted tunnel in october and ever since then have been kind of in love with the idea of them so did you i did it's called butterfly kisses it's a found footage film very low budge (laughs) fantastic in my opinion because i am a sucker for a found footage film but uh yeah I'm going to have to go watch that. It was great. Was, <laughs> it, was it filmed in the Hoosack Tunnel? <laughs> no, I think it was a tunnel in like, Ohio. Oh. But it was a railroad bridge leading to a tunnel. Apparitions abound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was great. Fun. But yeah, cool. Cool. That's it for today. That's it for today. Awesome side note that i am going to record in case i need to leave it in here i don't know if i'm going to need to leave it in here but if you can hear any noises in the background such as a crying child or a loudly laughing person our podcast is not haunted
0: we record in public spaces (laughs) anyway that's all for today that's it we hope you enjoyed today's look at the Husak tunnel tune in next week for a tale Of something. (laughs) I haven't quite finished researching, so I'm not
1: totally positive what we're talking about next week, but I think it's going to be fun.
0: You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Myth and Macabre. Or if you have any stories you want to
1: share with us, any ideas for us, any, hey, I know more about that thing you talked about and you messed up that factoid, shoot us an email at mythandmacabre at gmail.com.
0: Bye.